sightings of a, a ghost-like figure creeping right through our town. A man in a white mask. Or was it more than a man? He was watching them. Before the night was over, three people would be murdered. And in the house next door, there was a babysitter and a young boy and a young girl. And they were brutally attacked by this stalker who had a power beyond any mortal man. My name is Tommy Doyle. And I was that young boy. So please, join me in commemorating the victims and the survivors of Michael Myers. Oh, happy Halloween, plus one, Popheads. Welcome to issue 189 of the TomCast Popcast. Coming to you from, uh, not from Haddonfield, Indiana, because fuck that place. My name is Tom. Thank you so much for checking out this small, independent pop culture podcast. With hopefully some high quality to it. We'll see, based on how this episode goes. My goodness. Make sure you're following us on social media. We are at TomCast Popcast on Twitter and Instagram. Because, yes, that's what you have to do these days. Please feel free to email the show, tomcastpopcast at gmail.com. Make sure you're liking, subscribing, and sharing the show with all your friends, families, loved ones, the ghosts and ghouls and goblins that live in your life. And, uh, hey, if you have the time, five-star reviews. One of the best ways to support a show and help us uh, spread the word about what we're doing over here and to fight against the corruption, the terror, the tyranny of the Haddonfield Boogeyman, a.k.a. the algorithm. And, uh, yeah, the five-star reviews go a long way to helping us do just that. So thank you, thank you, thank you in advance. Uh, today's show, again, it's Halloween Plus One. Originally not scheduled to do um, this particular episode, but I couldn't resist. I, 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 um, I have so many feelings and so many thoughts and so many um, um, just words that I want to expel from my body about today's movie. And... Listen, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a bumpy ride. I'm not gonna lie. You know, we 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 really advocate for being positive on the on the podcast. We really don't like getting shitty and getting negative about things, and and we are are re- reluctant. At least I am. Sometimes my guests are more are way more forthright with uh, with harsher feelings than I am. Um, but I don't like to use the word 
hate uh, on the podcast to describe you know a, a fictional account of of somebody who's made up, and you know so it's a strong word, but I really really don't like a lot of the things going on in our in our movie today, and and we are going to be of course I mean you've seen that you saw the title you saw it when we hit, hit the podcast feed we are of course talking about 2021's Halloween Kills the sequel to David Gordon Green's 2018 Halloween, the sort of soft reboot of the franchise, of the Michael Myers series, that, that did a lot, of, a lot of things, I thought, I think they did a lot of things pretty darn well in that, in that 2018 version, sort of uh, simplified some things, stripped out some things that, you know, I, maybe I didn't need, need to see disappear, but they had a story to tell, and I was willing to go with them on the ride, and... What we got was a, a very solid, a very entertaining new take on, on Michael Myers, his re- relationship with Laurie Strode. And, and we'll talk about that more in detail on the other side of the bump. Um, so I was, but, but I wanted to give you that information because I was really excited to see this movie. Uh, and then I saw this movie. And wow, did, did my enthusiasm fizzle. And it fizzled pretty darn quickly. And again, for reasons that we will talk about on the other side. Uh, so yeah, get ready for this one because uh, this is not going to be our normal show by any means because it is um, very critical, very hypercritical of of this movie in particular. Uh, I I feel a certain affinity for the Halloween franchise. I feel a certain affinity for the horror for genre, and and this movie, it it, it listen. I appreciate when you swing big, uh, but swinging big and missing big, woof. Those are two things that need to be talked about, and and we will talk about the big swings. And the big, huge misses with this movie because there are many, and um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's you know the Halloween Kills is the middle chapter in a in a in a, a proposed trilogy. They are going to be doing the third part to to finish this thing off, uh, and and sometimes you know sometimes that middle chapter is the one that lacks. Though the Empire Strikes Back would be one to say, I don't think so, buddy. But in this case, this one definitely lacks, and it again. I appreciate a big swing. I appreciate several of the big swings they tried to do in this movie, but woof, man! I mean, they they swung themselves right out of their shoes in this one. My goodness gracious! So yeah, we are going to talk about that on the other side of the bump uh, in just a moment. We're going to get into the positives, of which there are some, especially depending on what kind of horror movie fan you are. Uh, but we're also going to talk about the negatives, and we're going to try and be as honest and and um, I'm going to try and give as much uh, uh, the, the reasoning. For why I think these things are huge, huge misses. I, I, you know, I don't want to just throw out blanket statements. I want to support my arguments here, and, and uh, you agree or you disagree. Hopefully, we have a civil discourse about it and be like, Tom, you're wrong. Tom, you're right. Blah blah blah. It's a okay. It's all good to have discourse, as long as it's civil discourse. So, so let's talk about this stuff. Um, I do want to give a special note before we get into the movie that this is going to be a solo show. Uh, unfortunately, I did have a nice little panel lined up for this episode and I had to my schedule changed very suddenly very last minute and uh, and um, initially I, I had hoped to maybe reschedule these guests and, and do it then but uh, they're going to come back on and, and do another show with us um, uh, very in the in the very very near future uh, so this will be a solo show not a solo stove because you know not a sponsor but a solo show also not a Han solo show because Star Wars doesn't give us any money either so me by myself talking about my thoughts, my feelings, my my hurt feelings uh, about this movie, what it lacked, what it it doesn't seem to. Well, that's a 
I was going to say what isn't understand about Michael Myers, but I, I think it wants to understand Michael Myers a little too well. <laughs> so yeah, but get ready for this one. Uh, let me go ahead and give some of the particulars for this feature out right now. There's some of the, some of the details I want to get into before we, we kind of talk about the movie. This movie, much like the 2018 one, directed by David Gordon Green, written by David Gordon Green, Danny McBride, and Scott Teams. Scott Teams, I think, is a new addition. He wasn't on the original 2018 Danny, uh, David Gordon Green picture. Produced once again by Malika Cod, Jason Bloom of Bloomhouse, and Bill Block. Uh, the movie's doing well financially in the box office. I think right now, up to this point, it's made $73.1 million. Uh, it's doing quite nicely, but from a, a critical standpoint, uh, it's not doing well. From an audience standpoint, it's not doing well. And, you know, we should share that information with you, too. On Rotten Tomatoes, it is currently generating an audience score of 67%. Not great. That's a D. That's a D. The critic score on the Tomato Reader, ooh, baby, that is a 39%. That is, a, that is pretty darn far from fresh. Far, ooh, excuse me, far from fresh as you can get, my goodness. And then over on IMDb, if you're into their rating system, they have it at a 5.8 which is uh, still not great because that's only that's not even, you know, it's a little more than halfway to 10. Woof. Woof, woof, woof. So I, I, I guess at this point, I, I, the only concern I have about doing this podcast is it feels like it's piling on at this point. Um, but you kind people who take the time to download and listen, um, this is what I'm here for, right? Like, I'm going to help you make a decision. <laughs> I'm going to give you as much information about this movie as I can, and you will make the decision to see it or not to see it or to watch it and, and confirm me or to debunk me in my thoughts. So that's what we're going to do today. I'm excited to do it, though. It's going to be a fun one because, again, I love the Halloween franchise. I love Michael Myers. The original 78 movie is almost, almost, almost a perfect horror film. It's just a really great time. And I'm sure we'll talk about John Carpenter and, and what they had in the 78 film and what's so different about this one. And, and we'll get into all that right now. So let's go ahead and play another amazing clip from this movie. I'll see you on the other side of the bump, and we're going to break it down. So you know what that means you got to do. It's that time. You sit down. You buckle up. You hold on to your butts. You buckle up again. Put on those Shatner masks. Let's go. Listen, folks, please. The Boogeyman is at large. He's got no choice but to emerge. He is an apex predator. When he surfaces, there will be no pause. There will be no empathy. This ends when Michael is dead. Michael Myers will be executed tonight, and it will not go without witness. We need all of you. Evil dies tonight. So I have played for you two lines from this film that... Uh, feature my new Halloween Kills themed drinking game, which is every time you hear a character utter the words 40 years ago or evil dies tonight, you are going to get shit faced because God damn, do they repeat these lines a lot in this fucking movie? Holy balls. Evil dies tonight. No, it sure as fuck doesn't. And evil kicks a lot of ass on its way to not dying tonight. Uh, also, this is a nit. I suppose. But David Gordon Green's 2018 Halloween is a, again, a reboot of the franchise, a direct sequel to the original 1978 Halloween, therefore taking out Halloween 2 from continuity. The, the original Halloween 2, I guess, at this point. Um, except this movie heavily steals from that film, including the tagline, Evil Dies Tonight, 
So what are we doing here? Holy smokes. So much stuff in this movie is actually in Halloween uh, Halloween 2 from 1981, uh, directed by the great John Carpenter. So so it seems a little ridiculous that we're, we're taking also that piece of, of, of the cinema away from Michael Myers. And that seems to be because they want to retcon another story into this film where the, the officer Hawkins, who we met in the 2018, played by Will Patton, has this immeasurable, immeasurable guilt because he stopped, he stopped Dr. Loomis from executing Michael Myers you know, after the events of the first film. And we see that depicted. It's talked about in the 2018 movie. It's actually shown in flashbacks in this film. Uh, but that's just the beginning of, of this whole convoluted ball of, of, of shit that they have smashed together in an effort to make this new film. We, ha- we have, again, we're lifting from a movie that we removed out of continuity with Halloween 2. There is the retconning of, Hawk- of uh, Officer Hawkins' story, who, by the way, Hawkins did not die, like we all suspected he did in 2018's Halloween, even though it looked like he was bleeding out massively. Uh, so you're retconning a past event into that. You're shoehorning another character into Laurie Strode's original Night of Trauma. And, and these are just some of the things I'm bumping up against. This is just, and we're just talking about the drinking game I made up and, and why I'm so irritated by some of this stuff. We haven't even talked about the particulars of the film. And I, I, again, parsing this out is going to be a little difficult. I'm going to try and stay as much in the 2018 and the 2021 Halloween movies as I can with, with older Laurie Strode, older Michael Myers, and, and we'll, we'll try to have a more rational discussion. I feel like if I try to cut back and forth too much between the original Carpenter from 78 and even Carpenter's sequel from 81, it might get a little uh, jumbled in here as well, and we'll have a bigger mess of a podcast and they have a mess of a movie on their hands, and that's not what we want to do. We want to we want to talk about the high, the good, the bad, and the ugly of this movie. Uh, I want to reiterate that I really enjoyed David Gordon Green's 2018 Halloween. I thought it was a nice reboot slash sequel. I didn't understand why they were taking Halloween two out of continuity, but that was the story they chose to tell. They emphasize uh, being a survivor, a, a survivor's traumas, the, the PTSD that Laurie Strode has been through after her attack from Michael Myers. Uh, not only and not only not only Laurie's trauma, but Laurie's generational trauma, the the effect that her trauma has had on her uh, on her daughter and on her granddaughter, and how that has shaped and driven their relationships with each other. So it's a very interesting take. It's a very interesting uh, way to in, in, inject some reality into a horror film. It, it is handled. I think it's handled very nicely in the 2018 film. I know some people who thought it was it was a tad heavy handed. Um, and, and that's okay too. That's with, that's well within your rights to, to believe that. And that's okay. For me, it worked out okay because the story was smaller. It was a more intimate story. It was about the Strode family, the Strode, the women of the Strode family in particular. And I like that emphasis of, of women as survivors of trauma, of women of survivors of attacking and Lori as the, the sort of woman who comes face to face with her attacker and, and confronts him directly. In this case, the, the attacker is a homicidal maniac named Michael Myers who killed your friends 40 years ago, and you have been traumatized ever since. Uh, it, it worked. You know, you can, you can also talk about it gets a little home alone-y when, when, uh, when Lori, you know, her, her house is basically being constructed as a giant death trap for when Michael Myers were to come back for her uh, as the sole survivor of his rampage in 1978. 
you, you know, you want, again, the Home Alone references are easy to make, but that's because people, the Home Alone is just in the zeitgeist, and people just know it. Um, it just is what it is. And, and and we think at the end of that film that we that Michael Myers has met his maker. He is in Laurie's death trap, burning alive. Alive. But, alas, that is not the case, because this film, 2021 Halloween Kills, picks up mere moments after the end of that film, with Laurie her daughter and her granddaughter being taken back into town by a, a pickup truck that picked them up at the end of the film. It's going to take them to the hospital, to the ER. Everyone has got some... some. Laurie in particular has some serious battle damage from her encounter with Michael Myers. Has to go to the hospital. As they're racing back into town, though, what do you hear? What do you see? The fire trucks racing out to put out the blaze at Laurie's cabin in the woods. And them screaming and shouting, No, let it burn! Let him burn! And it's, it's very dramatic. And you understand their upsetness. But at the same time, at the same time, I feel like you really have just sabotaged your 2018 movie by completely undoing it in, in a matter of moments. Every strength, every ounce of goodwill that you earned with that 2018 movie from the audience, from me in particular, because this is my podcast, uh, you have now put a serious, serious damage into it. You, you have just taken a, a baseball bat to the kneecap of your credibility that you built in 2018 with what you just undid in five seconds. I, again, I like I get the idea that we're going to pick up the story mere moments and that Laurie's death trap fails. Michael finds a way out. These firefighters are the vehicle by which he it makes his escape and, and re, uh, relaunches his reign of terror against the residents of Haddonfield. But again... You just took Halloween 2 out of continuity. Halloween 2 is the next night. It's, the, it's, it's picking up from the events of Laurie's initial attack in 78. So why did you take it out of continuity? You would have a better mirror to reflect on if you kept that in there. Oh, wait, we have to go back to Officer Hawkins and shoehorning his prior encounters with Michael Myers into this so that we have another character who has uh, trauma and regret from their encounter with Michael Myers from 40 years ago. Boo. That's what I say to that. I say fucking boo, man. It 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 stinks that they that they have felt the need to uh, a shoehorn a piece a, a new piece of, of backstory of information into the story that didn't need it. You could have embraced Halloween two as part of your legacy. You chose not to. Now you're 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 sort of adapting on the fly and trying and change your story at the same time. And I don't care for it. Do not care for it. Another element of the of the film. Uh, uh, that we have to talk about too is the way this movie tries to expand its world the way it tries to grow its world by taking the Michael Myers situation from 40 years ago and now you are uh, we, we the first clip we played at the beginning of the podcast it's Anthony Michael Hall who's stepping into the role of Tommy Doyle the the small child who Laurie basically saves from Michael Myers Laurie and, uh, um, excuse me Laurie Lindsay and Tommy Doyle they are the survivors of Michael's initial encounter, along with along with Nurse Chambers. But you know, that's we're not going to talk about Nurse Chambers right now. And oh, and I didn't even talk about how they uh, they they shoehorned a, a, another encounter with Michael Myers with another character from the '78 film, Lonnie, who is Tommy Doyle's bully, also has a, an encounter with with Michael Myers in the new flashback in this film to make him more relevant to the plot. So, the shoehorning of some of this stuff is is annoying. I'm very familiar with retconning. Uh, for anyone not familiar with the term is retroactive continuity, which is where you take your modern story and you, you invent elements and you place it back in the old story. 
uh, it's very common in comic books and, and, and um, soap operas in, in particular. And this is not a soap opera. But this using it in this way, in, in this format for this film, shows what they're trying to do. Like, like you'll, you'll see what they're trying to do. It's not subtle. They're not, there's nothing subtle in this movie. They are expanding. They are attempting to expand their world, expand Michael Myers's world, and the the trauma, the pain he's inflicted for forty years onto this entire town now. So they are trying to make it a bigger story than it needs to be, a bigger event that Michael is back, and people's reactions to it. You heard the other clip we right the, right between the, the segments of Tommy Doyle once again being the the mob leader, trying to get the town riled up. Bringing in, introducing an element of mob mentality to this movie. Again, not something new to the Halloween franchise. This is in Halloween 4. The return of Michael Myers. It's all in there. This has all been done before. I would even argue that maybe even done better than what we saw today. But they're not trying to go for it in, in the sense of this is a horror movie and a horror mob mentality going back to the days of, of like the Frankenstein pictures. No, 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 no. The, the, this is a bigger bigger message that they're trying to send her. And that's the problem with this movie. It wants to send a message. It wants to comment on the real world. Our real world. Not the real world in which these characters inhabit. But no, no, no. It wants to comment on everything that's wrong with society. Everything that's wrong with our our society. It, it, it wants to comment on mob mentality. It wants to comment on uh, uh, on you know Black Lives Matter. It wants to comment on, on the Me Too movement. It, it wants to say something about all these things. And it's a, it's a horror movie. And don't, now don't misunderstand that, that comment because many of the best horror films are a commentary on something in society. This movie's mistake is it's trying to comment on everything currently wrong in society. Again, a big swing. But watch the delivery. Watch the big whiff. On all of this, the mob mentality stuff is comically bad, comically bad. Tommy whips these people up into a frenzy, so much so that they they pursue an innocent man and drive this this other mental patient who escaped with Michael in the first film to to jump out of a window. <laughs> this, I mean, it, and it's it's done comically bad. It is not well executed. It is not well done, and the the, the comicness of it completely diminishes whatever message they're trying to say about mob mentality. And the mob mentality of this story does not go away. It plays into the third act in a huge way. Uh, and, and we're not even there yet. And we're still tr- I'm still tripping over myself a little bit because I can't believe there's just so much to talk about in this film that is so completely asinine and ridiculous. Uh, it's a very frustrating movie to watch. Uh, even, even as someone, again, someone who loves this franchise and wants this series to succeed more than anything... Uh, to come away from two viewings of it, just frustrated and 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 really bummed out, was oh just so disappointed, so disappointed. I I, I want to pause for a moment, and and and, and offer some light, <laughs> potentially to some of you, depending on on who you are in the audience and and what kind of horror films that you're into. If you are in to the kills, if you are into the blood, the gore, the viscera. This movie will probably deliver for you in many ways. Michael's rampage is uh, pretty uh, gruesome. You know, he he the, the body count is high. The kills are I don't know if inventive is the right word, but he uses a lot of different ways to kill a lot of different people. 
Uh, he stages many of the bodies, as is, he is known to do. Uh, though they seem to lack... There, there's nothing fearful about the killings at this point. Uh, he's become... At this point in the movie, like, like Michael showing up is just sort of an inevitability. There's, there's no more, is he behind you? Is he going to blend out of the shadows? Those shots don't really exist in this film, not to the, not to the extent that they did in Carpenter's work or, or even, even the 2018 work, which tried to be more subtle. This movie is very much in your face. Michael's in your face. If he's not in the exact room, he's going to come out from behind you really quick or he's going to jump at you from another room really quick. There's, like, the subtlety in, in this one is, is misplaced. Uh, and and th- that is sort of the the biggest complaint I have about it is like there is no subtlety with this movie. There is no finesse. It is beat you over the head with whatever message each scene is trying to give us. We we've lost focus on Jamie Lee and the 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 her survivor story, her PTSD and her generational trauma with her daughter and her granddaughter, because they wanted to expand this world and they wanted to show this sense. This they wanted to impart this sort of uh, a larger scope to the trauma that Michael's inflicted on the town of Haddonfield as a whole, but is completely underscored by by what Tommy uh, what Tommy says at the beginning of his speech that people don't even remember this. They don't even remember the Haddonfield boogeyman. They don't remember Michael Myers, and <laughs> and him just getting them riled up is it's like it's 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 ridiculous. I mean, like these people, they're they're sheeple. They are actual sheeple. They're just like, yeah, whatever he said. Fuck that guy. Let's get him. Like, Jesus Christ. Can, does anyone in this movie have a fucking brain? Uh, if, if, if anyone in the audience does, they know this is shit. And I guess that is, again, another piece of the frustration pie that I ate while watching this film. Again, a film for the 100th time, a film I really wanted to like and really wanted it to be really good. And I, I, I just was vexed. Just vexed by what I was seeing. Uh, and one of the things that I'd like to say, uh, talk about as well, uh, we, we talked about the expanding scope and how this movie wants to have all this social commentary on so many different things. Uh, there, again, and the best horror movies do that. They comment on something in society. You know, most recent example I can think of is Get Out. Have you seen Get Out from, from Jordan Peele? Fantastic movie terrifying in so many ways because of the reality of it the racism of which they are commenting on and the way it's being showcased and displayed but that movie's done with a nice touch there's some finesse there's some subtlety like you kind of got to work to parse through what's going on especially at the beginning you're trying to figure it out you're like i think they're racist are they racist and and but again by the by the time you see what's happening you you figure it all out but again, this movie is about is it's about as 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 subtle as a goddamn chainsaw to the face. Nothing is held back in this. It is just over the head, beating you ridiculous until you are just worn out and done, done. You just let it run over you. And because this movie wanted to do this commentary, because it wanted to comment on all these social issues, all these current events that are going on in the world, and again, horror movies can do that. They definitely can do that. But this movie makes the mistake of thinking that it is more than a horror movie. This movie thinks it's a prestige picture. That there's going to be some sort of uh, parade of, of awards coming its way for its, its audacious take on mob mentality. For its audacious take on PTSD and survivors' traumas. And, and, and all the other things that it's attempting to comment on in this film. And it, again, big swing, big fucking miss. 
like fall out of the batter's box with your cleats over your face. Like you, woof. Did you even see the pitch? I don't think so. But yeah, this movie wanted to be, be a prestige picture. They released this at the at the what was it? The Venice Film Festival, a, a very uh, hoity-toity film festival for for movies that think they're going to get Academy Awards or Golden Globes or any you know all that shit. I'm I'm not. <laughs> this is uh, oh, ooh, I don't want to use this term at all, but the movie is not self-aware enough to know what it is. It wants to be something that it's not, and it can't. It can't. It can't pull it off. It fails miserably at trying to pull it off. It is a complete, unmitigated, fucking disaster. And and again, I appreciate a big swing, but man, I feel like they weren't even close. They were not even close on this. So awful in so many of his things. And then, again, for a movie that's trying to comment on so many social issues, again, we talk about you know Black Lives Matter and me, me too, and and. Uh, you know, women first, and, and and all these all these positive things that that deserve to be talked about and addressed in 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 a well written, thought provoking social commentary. Uh, this movie kills the black couple. This movie kills the gay couple. So, like, what are we really doing here? <laughs> like, like, what is happening? The gay couple, who's on a completely side, is is on like the C story of this film, which we have not even talked about the C story just yet. Because my goodness gracious, that is one to like pull your eyebrows out over. Um, the, the 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 two black characters, the two African American characters, who get roped into the mob mentality thing, dispatched by Michael in in very gruesome ways, very gruesome deaths. Uh, uh, again, if you're into that part of the of the movie, you're gonna enjoy the way they die. Spoilers, they fucking die. The mob fucking dies. Evil doesn't die tonight. It doesn't even fucking come close, except for when it does. But we'll talk about that later too, because holy shit. That's another can of fucking worms. All right, I gotta take a breath. I'll be right back. Woo! Do you have any idea whose house this was? No. You ever hear of Michael fucking Myers? Do you know what happens to people who come into the Myers home without an invitation? We're not even scared. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. He stabbed his sister in the tits. Yuck. Right upstairs. Let's talk a little bit about our characters in the, in this movie, and I, I specifically want to focus on on Laurie Strode, her daughter Karen, and her daughter Allison. The the three Strode women in this picture, and 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 again, they're our main characters from 2018's reboot. Their their generational trauma. It, again, I, I a storyline that I found very interesting, if if not a, a little bit compelling, as as a driving factor, as a driving force. In that 2018 version, uh, in this movie again, the world has been expanded. We're doing new things with more characters. We're interacting with uh, with more of Haddonfield. We're going back to the other victims of of Michael Myers, like I said, Tommy Doyle, played by Anthony Michael Hall. We we get Will Patton's backstory as Deputy Frank Hawkins and his encounter with Michael Myers. As uh, and uh, unfortunately, because of these other things going on, this world expanding that they're attempting to do, the Strode girls. So Strode women, excuse me, uh, get totally fucking sidelined in this movie. Uh, it again, Karen and Allison have much bigger parts than uh, maybe you would have expected. But again, they're roped into the, these ridiculous B stories. They're roped into the mob mentality story. Karen is trying to de-escalate the mob that's chasing after the wrong person. And again, if you just have been told a story 
by a survivor like Tommy Doyle about the, his attacker. Do you really think it's going to be a guy who could double for the fucking penguin? Like Danny DeVito penguin? No. Why aren't you looking for the guy who's like six foot eight and built like a brick shit house? Like, what the fuck? So they're chasing this little penguin guy around, and Karen gets involved in trying to save him. It doesn't work out because mob mentality, mob rules all, and they're going to fucking drive this crazy person to do a crazy thing and end his life by jumping out of a fucking window. So, <sighs> meanwhile, Karen's also trying to deal with her mom, who Jamie Lee, very, uh, her mom Lori, played by Jamie Lee Curtis, very upset that the firefighters went out there. Uh, Karen tries to shield Lori from the news that Michael's still alive and is rampaging through Haddonfield once again. But eventually that all comes out as, as Tommy Doyle breaks into our hospital room. Great fucking security over this hospital, by the way. Just anyone can walk into any room in the, in the world. So she gets all amped up. She's trying to get drugged up so she can go back out there and, and finish the fight. And, uh, you know, a good commendations for her. Because, like, again, Lori wants to fight. She wants to fight Michael. She wants to end all, of the, all of this stuff. I get it. I, I'm there for all of it. But, again, you, this character has been uh, 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 injured very badly injured in her last encounter with Michael. So she's in no physical condition to do that. So they keep her in a hospital bed for the majority of this film. We never get Lori and Michael even looking at each other in this film. They are completely separated. They are completely removed from one another. And I'm going to put a pin in that right now because I do want to talk about Allison. Allison Strode, well, her last name's not Strode because, you know, again, she has a dad. But (laughs) it's part of the Strode women, all right? She, again, roped into the mob mentality, trying to save people, trying to help people, uh, trying to end the terror that is Michael Myers, going about it in all the wrong ways, getting her boyfriend killed, her boyfriend's father killed. Because, like, seriously, what do you think you guys are going to do against Michael Myers? This guy's bad news, right? He's Leave this to professionals. And again, another element to this story, this mob mentality story. I, I don't want to make a broad blanket statement about the people of Indiana. But I would imagine there's like some hunting that goes on there in the wintertime, you know? And maybe more than like two people in this town would have a gun. As opposed to like chasing Michael Myers down with like a baseball bat. Just a, just a thought. I, you know, I, I'm curious. I'm curious. Again, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Californian. What do I know? What do I, what do I know about Indiana? It just seemed to make, didn't make a lot of sense to me. But that focuses on another little bit of insanity in this film too. And we can't talk about that just yet. All right, so let's go back to Jamie Lee. Let's go back to her now being hospitalized with Deputy Frank Hawkins. And we sort of get like this rekindling of a romance in the middle of this fucking movie that doesn't really need to be there. As 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 Hawkins and, and Laurie attempt to out-guilt one another for not being able to kill Michael Myers and for letting letting evil live for another day. And and it's again, it it just it's not good. It brings the movie to a screeching halt. It's interjected in the midst of these these mob mentality scenes, and I don't really understand the purpose. Is it is it to, you know again we're 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 attempting to shoehorn uh, Deputy Hawkins's uh, mistake in allowing Michael to live on the original night of 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 uh, his attack against Laurie and the other babysitters. But what, what's the purpose again? I know there's a trilogy here, and obviously he's going to have a role to play in it. As, as these, these, again, our pool of survivors is drastically reduced by the end of this picture. But, oh boy. I, you know, I, I, I am loath to think how this will all end in the third movie, which is going to be called Halloween, uh, Halloween Ends. But I doubt it will end for too long because there is always more money to be made. 
always more money to be made. So yeah, Jamie Lee gets sidelined in this movie. The rest of the shows get sidelined. Karen takes a more active role by the third act because she needs to save Allison from Michael. Uh, and that goes horribly wrong, too. And for reasons that I, I, I'm hesitant to even uh, get into at this moment because I don't know how much I want to jump ahead to the end of the picture. Because talking about Michael... <sighs> talking about Michael in this way is very upsetting to me. <laughs> Again, we sort of have illustrated... You know, they went way out of their way to to do this as a reboot uh, and make it a direct sequel to the 78 film with their 2018 version. It's like, we're going to pick it up 40 years later. Halloween 2 didn't happen. Halloween 3 definitely didn't happen. Season of the Witch, Michael's not even in that one. Halloween 4, 5, and 6, Resurrection, all didn't happen. H2O didn't happen. None of them happened, all right? Yet we're, we're, we're mining very familiar territory. With, with with Michael, and even, even with the town of Haddonfield, like I mentioned, I think it was in Halloween 4, when there's a mob that's going to go after Michael Myers, and, and it's a whole thing. And and again, for that movie, that's it sort of works. But that movie's trying to, it's very it's a very small movie. This movie's trying to be this big, grandiose feature, trying to be this all-encompassing uh, social commentary, and it, it doesn't have the gravitas to pull it off. It doesn't have the skill to pull it off. It doesn't have the story to pull it off. Now, I'm not saying the actors couldn't have done a great job. I, I like this cast. I like Judy Greer as Karen. I like Andy Matichek as Allison. Even Anthony Michael Hall, despite how ridiculous his version of Tommy Doyle is, I blame the writers. I don't blame Anthony Michael Hall for that. He's just doing what, they, what he has to work with. And, and my goodness, what he has to work with is not great. Not great, Bob. Not great. But let's just go ahead and get into it, into my, into my big, big gripe about what we're doing here in this movie, in this franchise, in this series. They make a concerted effort to de-emphasize Laurie Strode in Michael's killing spree. Uh, in this film, they shift the focus less on, on him trying to get to Laurie and finish what he started 40 years ago into simply, Michael wants to go home. And that's why he's doing what he's doing. He's on a murderous rampage to go home. Not to Haddonfield, to his actual fucking house. As we established with that previous sound clip, that is the home of Big John and Little John, our, our resident Haddonfield gay couple, uh, who die an inglorious death at Michael's hands because they now occupy his house. They've done a cute little uh, you know, re uh, uh, renovation on it. Looks great. So many rooms, so many colors, so many fun things going on in that house. Have a nice uh, charcuterie board going on for Halloween. It's it's fantastic fun. Nice record collection. They die a horrible death because they live in Michael's house and he's now back. Uh, and this dovetails into Hawkins' story too about how, how Hawkins' partner grew up with Michael as a little kid. And they would go over to play and Michael would just be staring out the window looking at nothing or looking at everything. And that's for us to decide. So this all coalesces into the mob mentality scene, particularly when Karen arrives to save Allison, who just watched her boyfriend and her boyfriend's dad be murdered very brutally by Michael. Her boyfriend die, pay, pays a horrible price for messing with Michael Myers. Allison gets a couple stabs in. This is the first time we've seen Michael take some damage in this in this film. She gets Michael stabbed a couple times, not big deep cuts, you know, you know, but but cuts nonetheless, like painful cuts that would you know he Michael's gonna be doing some bleeding at this point. Karen comes out, lures him away to save Allison. 
and and this is where she, Karen, leads Michael Myers by taking his mask, knowing that he will follow. She leads him about a block away to where the mob is waiting. Tommy Doyle, the Tommy Doyle-led mob, is waiting. Now, this mob, by this point in the movie, after after the little guy, the little penguin man committed suicide, not as, a, as, as many numbers as there once were with the mob. You know, not as a... Uh, ramped up, but there's still some some dedicated people to killing a dude out there in the world, and they're going to kill this dude named Michael Myers tonight, because evil dies tonight. I don't know if you've emphasized that enough. Evil dies tonight. Well, listen, let's back it up for a minute, too, all right? Because there's a moment when, when Karen is attempting to save Allison. Again, Allison has stabbed Michael a couple times. He's taken some damage. Al- G- Karen gets to drop on Michael with, uh, I believe it was a golf club. No, it's a, it's, a, it's a pitchfork. And then maybe a golf club. I don't know. She gets, gets some shots on him, and there's a pitchfork, and then some hitty hitties, and Michael goes down against the stairwell, where Karen then curb stomps him. Should be the end of the movie, right? Right, right, right? Not so fast, my friends. Michael shakes that shit off. Michael gets up from what should be a very broken neck. So, as an audience, we're left to wonder, well, what the fuck is happening now? Because the for 40 years, the other 40 years, our 40 years, not the 40 years ago, the boogeyman of Haddonfield struck. Not that 40 years. No, no, no. But for 40 years, we have been told that Michael Myers is a man. He is evil incarnate, but he is a man. He is killable. He is an insatiable, bloodthirsty killer. But he is still a man. Then as Karen is leading Michael away after she yanks his mask off, and we still don't see Michael's face, that will never be revealed, and I'm fine with that. I have no big issue with that whatsoever. That's part of the, th- that's part of the brand. It's all good. But as we are leading him away to the mob, to Tommy Doyle's mob that's waiting to kill him, we cut back. We're cutting back and forth now. We're doing some quick cuts back to Deputy Hawkins, back to Lori at the hospital, and they're talking about Michael and, and what his real curse is and and you know how he's getting more powerful with every person that he kills and how he is transcending. The fuck you say? The fuck you say? Uh, and this is what we witness as this mob begins to beat down and theoretically kill Michael Myers. He is shot, he is stabbed, he is beaten over and over again. And then when they think they have finally killed him, he gets up and kills them all. Now, remember, this is only a block away from where Karen found her daughter at Michael Myers' residence. So Karen goes back to check on Allison. Meanwhile, all this is going on a block away. And so when Michael's getting the drop on these people and make, they're screaming bloody murder, Karen has no idea that Michael may have just survived whatever encounter he's in because... Again, we get the call back to Michael looking out the window of his childhood room, of his sister's childhood room, before he killed her. And so, for whatever the fuck reason, Karen decides it's time to go up into that room and she's going to gaze out that window and see what if she could see what Michael was seeing. Only to find Michael Myers come out of the fucking shadows and chop her fucking head off. Well, maybe not her head, chopping off her head, but kills her dead, real, real dead. And that is the end of this movie. And we are left with many, many a question. Mostly, the fuck you say? Because, listen, let's back it up. Let's go into the, these movies that they threw away with the old continuity, with the old canon. 
Michael Myers, four, five, and six, Return, Curse of, Origin of Michael Myers. These movies attempted to explain Michael Myers as a supernatural being, as a being with powers beyond the mortal world. And they were laughed out of continuity, basically. When H2O came back in, in, uh, in like, what, 98? They ignored all that shit, too, because they decided, uh, no, 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 Michael's a man. He's the shape. He is evil in human form. He is evil in flesh. That's, that's what Michael Myers is, but he's still flesh. He's still a man. Now we've gone back to the shit they threw out 20 years before this. So I don't understand what the fuck they are trying to say. If Michael is transcending, if Michael is now becoming more than a man, and again, this is what Tommy hints at in his opening speech, like 15 minutes into this picture, that he had powers beyond a mortal man, even back in 78. <sighs> again, powers beyond a mortal man, but he, he was happy to be in a mental institution for 40 fucking years. Anyways, so where does that leave us moving forward? I don't know. Because how do you just kill someone who's just transcended and is no longer uh, killable, in a sense? We are left to wonder many of these things. We are left to ponder many of these issues because uh, 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 the movie will jump in time. Again, this movie came out in 2021, but it is a sequel. It is the same day of the events of the 2018 movie. So this movie out now is set in 2018 still. It's going to go ahead in time to, I think, 2024? Is the plan something like that? There, there. So there's going to be a lull, time for these characters to process their new grief, their new traumas. As Michael has basically just killed half the town in one night. So you've you've given yourself the credibility that you wanted to have in the start of this movie by the end of this movie, which makes it feel like a waste of fucking time. Um, because now Haddonfield has experienced a trauma, a very recent fucking trauma so now in the next movie if you wanted to bring in mob mentality i would buy it a lot more readily than i do this one that's 40 years after the fact driven and and spiked by one or two survivors from 40 years ago now you have the makings of a real mob mentality as the survivors of this situation are real they are still in the now and in four or five years whatever whatever timeline they jump into are still gonna be processing that grief and that trauma Now your mob makes sense in the next movie, not in this one. Misplaced, mishandled, swing, and a miss. Big whiff. Big fucking whiff. And it's, uh, again, I don't know where we're going to go from here. Obviously Frank Hawkins, obviously Laurie Strode, and Allison will have a role to play in this movie. But a lot of fucking people died in this one. So that's kind of your cast right there. And, and, um... I, you know, I don't, I don't know what else I want to say about this. There's definitely more to get into. Uh, Michael's transcendence really bothers me, though. We spent so much time hitting the reset button in the 2018 Halloween of sort of re-simplifying Michael, re-simplifying the story, making it a smaller, a more intimate story, focusing, focusing on Laurie, focusing on Michael. And then in this movie, we, we shift away from all of it. And it's never been about Laurie, apparently. It was always about Michael going home. Well, what the fuck did I watch in 2018 when he went, he drove out to the fucking woods to kill her? Like, what are we doing here? I, it feels like we're making shit up on the spot because Halloween in 2018 was a successful movie. And they're like, you know what? We're going to make more of those. So you, you guys want to do that trilogy after all? And now they're having to amend things. They're having to go back and fix things. Again, they're, they're, they're retroactively continuing their own movie, their own scripts as they're going. Because the first time they, they did this, it made more money and made more cash. And that bums me out. That bums me out. 
I, I, I would have rather you write like you're going to write a trilogy, but you put you, you don't pull up the stops. But the seeds are there. The, 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 you, you plant your story. Build your story the way you need to. Don't force it in. Don't ram it in. That's what this episode feels like. Again, this is the middle chapter of a trilogy. And it feels like they're shoehorning and ramming everything into this one because they need it for the next one. Meanwhile, if you'd played your cards better, if you'd written a better story, if you'd written a better script, a tighter script that plotted these things out ahead of time, you'd be good to go right now. We wouldn't have had to waste this time with, with, this, with this insanity that was thrown at us. That was so many different things, so many different themes, so many different topics. You, you could have gone for the jugular in a far more effective way with a leaner, meaner movie uh, and, and one that hits more potently, more, it hits more effectively. Uh, and this is just glancing blows because you're just scraping at things. You're, you're, you're swinging at so many different targets here and you're not really hitting any of them. This movie couldn't hit water if it fell out of a fucking boat. It, it, I mean, that's how big the misses are in this. It, it's really just tragic. I, I don't think... I don't. I think David Gordon Green is a good filmmaker. Uh, this movie is, is, is does his reputation a huge disservice, though. Uh, he gets style points. Uh, the, the, again, the kills are high. The, the blood is high. If you like the blood... That's great, but you know, maybe take a moment to pause and reconsider. In 1978, that movie has very little blood in it, almost none, basically none, and it's a great example of what a good horror movie can and should be. So, is blood the answer? I don't think so, personally, but that's up to each individual to decide. I feel like there is a note that I am missing, that I am forgetting to uh, talk about. <sighs> And again, so much stuff with Lori that is a bummer in this movie. You know, Karen's effort to hide everything from her, her reaction to things, her just being sidelined throughout this film. Uh, it, it's a huge bummer. Jamie Lee's a great, uh, a great performer, a great actor, and I would have liked to see her have more to do in this movie than just lay in the bed and like reconnect with a with a with a prior uh, love interest. It really uh, just bummed me out quite a bit, and I, I wish I wish we had been able to to do more with her in this one. Uh, Allison has some nice moments. There are some good parts. There, there are some interesting parts of this movie. I like the bit that follows up with those those kids who uh, were were uh, trick or treating the the gay couple, the big big John and little John. I like them at the park when Michael's fucking around with them, and then uh, uh, Lindsay's the one who shows up and is like, "You got to get the fuck out of here." Like there are moments in this movie where you're like, "Okay, all right, I'm, I'm with you again. I'm kind of back in." Can we get more consistent with our theme, with our direction, with our narrative? And the answer is unfortunately no. The, the narrative is all over the place. The themes are all over the place. We go from one topic to the other. The, the mob mentality stuff is comical. Comical. And this is not a movie you should be laughing at. Uh, you know, again, for the, 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 for the amount of seriousness, for the heavy tone in which it is trying to present itself, you shouldn't be laughing at some of this shit. But again, this mob is chasing a guy who's like Danny DeVito's stunt double from Batman Returns. It's ridiculous. It's fucking ridiculous. It's fucking ridiculous. It's fucking ludicrous. It is... It is something else. Uh, at this point, I'm almost daring you to watch it just to see uh, if you feel the same way or if I'm way the fuck off base and I'm being way too hypercritical. Which, again, I, I, I don't think I have of myself as a hypercritical person. I am a very low bar when it comes to most things. I am, I am happy to be mindlessly entertained. This movie just bummed me out, man. You know, all you need, to, even if your narrative is ridiculous... And, and, and stupid and asinine <laughs> like if you're consistent I'm okay with it but this movie wanted to be so much more grandiose so much more than a horror film and it's it's a terrible misstep maybe Halloween ends redeems it 
in the third installment? I don't know. I don't know. We're going to pause again. I'll come back with my final thoughts, and then we're going to wrap it up. Oh, boy. 40 years ago. Evil dies tonight. Drink. Is that Dennis's mask? Run. Go home now. Before he kills us all, get out of here. Run. Do not turn around. Keep going home. Okay, I'm back. I'm calmer. I'm calmer now. But I, I would like to refocus, recrystallize what I was trying to say about the mob mentality in this film. Uh, because, again, very clumsily executed in, the, in this film, they try to incite this mob mentality when Tommy Doyle's at the hospital scene. And this is supposed to be the moment where this, this mob sort of crystallizes, right? Because we're seeing uh, parents find their dead son, or people are realizing that their neighbors have been murdered by Michael in the events from the first movie. They're not even finding the bodies from the new one just yet. So, again, it's, it's sort of a forced reaction, but what's complicating this and what actually is making this scene uh, even stupider and taking it away taking away from from what they're trying to do in this movie is that as Tommy Doyle is is what some might call inciting a riot, the police are just standing there watching him do it. They just stand there, let him do it, let him form his vigilante mob squads, and, and go about his business as he sees fit. The police easily could have squashed this, again, because I do believe inciting a riot is a crime that you can be arrested for. Just a thought. And you'll recognize the, the police officer from the, from the 2018 who just stands there and lets him do this and lets this scene get completely out of hand. The... The, the, the police actions in this movie are comical. Their lack of action, their lack of, of, of doing anything. They are completely useless in this film. And I think that, again, that I think that is supposed to be a part of the statement that they're trying to make. One of the many messages that they are trying to tell us in this movie is that the police are useless and the police are good for nothing. So in, in this movie, they are completely neutered. They are completely hampered. You know, and, and again, let's let's... Let's, let's take that message even further because we talked about how this movie's commenting on way too many social issues. In the flashbacks with Deputy Hawkins, we are seeing the police <laughs> prepare to execute an unarmed man. And, you know, again, the, the, the moral question of, of, do you, you know, you have a chance to kill evil, do you do it? But let's look at the, the optics of that scenario. We are commenting in, in the present time of, the, of this story they are commenting on the social issues. They are they are very ham-fistedly uh, making reference to Black Lives Matter and, and other very relevant social issues that are that are occurring in our world. And then we flash back to the police getting ready to execute a man unarmed in the back of the head. <laughs> the movie's clumsy, I, and I feel like clumsy is the po the most polite way I can say it. Um, it's 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 and it's silly. The stuff we're supposed to be taking so seriously and that we're supposed to uh, be, like, shook by and, and, and the, the, the wokeness of the movie is supposed to resonate with us is comical. It's comical at best. And, and those are not things you should be laughing at. You really, really shouldn't. Uh, you know, even, even, even it's, it's, again, it's sort of a, a lackadaisical effort to comment on, on mental health awareness and, and, you know, those, those things. Again, this movie, if there's a, a, a topic... In the world, that that is in, in the in current um, in current conversations, you know, you know, mental health that, that that's a big topic of conversation. This movie has a comment for it. Black Lives Matter has a comment for it. 
you know, police uh, brutality has a comment for it. It's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's 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 again. I can appreciate a big swing, but boy oh boy, they don't even they don't even foul tip the ball. It's just they 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 just fall over their face trying to hit this ball that they can't even see. I don't think their eyes are open. It's just it's just whoa, it's so bad. And there is talk that that in the third one in Halloween ends that that again you know as we said it's going to go jump it's going to jump in time so jump several years from now. So that those traumas that are inflicted in this movie are 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 are, are still fresh and, and more people are scarred and that, that 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 town trauma that they're trying to bring in this movie is is has been saturating for a longer period of time. How they're gonna play that out, we don't know yet. But they're already talking about how they'd like to sort of incorporate uh, uh, the pandemic into that movie, into that world. And I'm I'm just I'm just sort of scratching my head. At, at what what are we doing here? What are we trying to do here? It's 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 Michael Myers. It's Halloween. It's a fairly simple story, and we are overly complicating this thing. And I I, I really wish, you know, again for all the goodwill they earned with the 2018, uh, uh, you know, sort of soft reboot of the franchise, uh, they just pissed it all away with this one. And and I'm very concerned how they're going to wrap this trilogy up. Again, maybe this is just the, the weak middle chapter. And they, they come out strong, and they and they they hit on more, more they hit more than they miss, uh, but I don't know. I I am I am extremely nervous, and I've only really scratched the surface of, of many of the things in this movie that bothered me. Um, again, I, I want to iterate, not having Jamie Lee, uh, not Laurie Strode, have a confrontation with Michael. I think is weak sauce. Um, making um, Karen's death, um, is, is is it's ridiculous. Sure, if if you want to kill that character, kill that character. But having her again be a block away from where Michael Myers has committed a massacre, <laughs> and not hear a single noise, and then be somehow lured by the idea of going up and staring out his sister's bedroom window to gaze into the void, um, is it, is again comical. And then Michael just showing up. The kind of the creepiest moment of the movie is, is the only time he kind of blends out of the sh- bleeds out of the shadows like he's known for doing is to kill Karen. Um, it's just it's it's ham-fisted, it's clumsy, it's sloppy. It 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 could all be done so much better. And I think I think there's very talented people involved in these movies in making these movies. I I don't know. I, I, I again I I appreciate a big swing. Uh, this doesn't work on many many levels. If you like the kills, if you like the blood and the gore. This movie's gonna check those boxes for you, um, but the, the 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 plot needs work. The story needs work. You know, you had a much more intimate story in 2018. You got too big for your britches in this one. Do you do you do you recenter? Do you refocus your story in the next one? And I guess we're gonna have to wait and see. Uh, I think the plan is for that to start production fairly soon, uh, and then probably be out in a year or so. So I guess we're gonna we're, I guess we're gonna find out soon, but who knows? Who knows? <laughs> um, yeah, I think again. Again, I think I've I've said all I'm gonna say about the film. It's not great, and and I guess I should also disclose fully that I did watch the movie on Peacock. I watched it at home, and I've watched it twice. Um, the first time around was a much more upsetting watch because I really was unhappy with what I saw. I went back to it the second time a day or two later, um, with more of a. All right, I know what's happening here. I know what to expect. I can I can really start to discern what I do, what I like, and what I don't about this film, and and 
allow me to have a more honest conversation with all of you, which is what I try to do on this podcast ever since um, ever since I, I tried to spin something in a bad way on like the fourth, fourth episode of the show. I was like, that movie's not good. I don't know why I tried to convince people that I was. <laughs> so this podcast learns from its mistakes, and now we're just trying to be honest with everybody. <laughs> all right, but yeah, we've hit, we're, about, we're about at that time. Like I said, I don't think I have too much more to say uh, about it. I'm just disappointed. I'm just hugely disappointed because I am a very big fan of this franchise, and I like to see how the Halloween movies do well. And uh, I was interested in the story, and now I'm just like, oof, I don't know. I don't know. I know me. I'm a completionist. I will watch the third part when it comes out, but the bar will be so much lower. Again, I have to go back <laughs> one more time. I'm so sorry. I, I, I'm going to wrap it up. I just The incredulity of it all, the, this this mob scene where we're, we're watching Michael get shot and beaten and, and, and Karen stabs him very deeply, very badly, uh, sort of at the base of his neck almost. Again, and she's already curb-stomped him, so he should be dead ten times over. Um, just, oof, that's what we're going to end it with. We're going to end it with Jamie Lee's uh, little, little conversation with Hawkins as the mob beat down this happening, and uh, we are bearing witness to Michael's, what they are calling his transcendence. Let's go ahead and check that out. I always thought Michael Myers was flesh and blood, just like you and me. But a mortal man could not have survived what he's lived through. The more he kills, the more he transcends into something else impossible to defeat. Fear. People are afraid. That is the true curse of Michael. Hey, all right, let's do it. I promise I'm not going to talk anymore about that movie. <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening to my, my scathing diatribe about this film. I uh, hope I didn't trip over myself too many times. Hope you get my points. But by all means, watch the movie. Hit me up. Let me know if you agree, disagree, what you liked about the film, what you didn't, what problems you bumped up against. By all means, let me know. You know where to find me on social media, at TomCastPopCast on Twitter and Instagram. Please email the show, TomCastPopCast at gmail.com. Another reminder to please make sure you're liking, subscribing, and sharing the show with all the ghosts and goblins and ghouls in your family. And uh, we are on all of your favorite platforms, so please, by all means, find us wherever you normally look for your favite podcasts. If you're on Apple Podcasts, by the way, five-star reviews, so helpful. And I think I deserve one for today's episode with just me full of, of piss and vinegar and, and vindictive anger. Just <laughs> You don't get me like this too often. And uh, uh, But Halloween Kills really brought out something special in me, and I, I hope you all enjoyed getting to hear it. <laughs> uh, I want to thank the official members of pop nation because without them of course this show does not go on they are the most important people on the planet so i thank them so so much if you wanted to join the nation you would gain access to bonus content you can do that at patreon.com forward slash tomcast popcast again bonus content so juicy thank you to our current patreons the aspen hill chody the batman of bay park jeff nail actually batman of bayho i gotta i gotta remember that he's also the co-host of the ringing ear a great music podcast please check them out thanks to evil circle the evilest of all circles the Squidmaster General, Mr. Brian Bessard, the New Jersey Devil, Mark Wagamer, our very own Joker and Harley Quinn, Brian and Krista of Pariah Brewing Company, right here in San Diego. And of course, the Beer Hop Brigadier General, Jesus Beer Hops, can't forget him. And of course, still our newest member, the Silent Assassin, he who shall not be named. And uh, it, it, the name is definitely not Michael Myers, for sure. All right, we're going to be back very soon. we got some upcoming shows. 
hopefully uh, planned. We'll see if they actually get uh, filmed and or recorded and released on time or not. Uh, the schedule's a little muddled at the moment, but we're doing our best. We're trying to stay on target. Uh, stay on target. And we'll hopefully see you guys very, very soon. Well, see is, you know, you know what I mean. Let's get out of here. Ciao, babes. So the Tribe drops its third straight on this trip, 6-1 to one to the Rangers. For the Indians, one run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got, one goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. Great story, compelling and rich. We're not going to be fucking sunk this year. We're the Stanley Cup champions. Yeah.